So this morning we continue with our series, uh, series titled We Are Covenant. And began with this question is, who are we as covenanters? What do we believe in? And we began talking some about what this means to be a part of the covenant church. And if you remember, it's quite a few weeks ago now, but um, a few weeks ago we began with the fact of the common confessions, that we are first of all an apostolic church, which means we listen to the teachings of the apostles. We are a Catholic or universal church, which means that anybody who claims this faith in Jesus, we see them as a brother or sister, even though we might have uh, disagreements about secondary issues. Also, too, we are a Reformation church. Uh, The value of sola scriptura, or, or scripture alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, and also, too, that we are an evangelical church. Uh, this commitment to the word of God, to mission, to telling other people about Jesus and what he's done, but also justice in our communities. So we talked about these common uh, affirmations or these common confessions that we have. But as I was talking about that, I realized how broad the covenant church is and that um, for, since the beginning, covenant has always said, Lord, we are a friend of all who fear thee. And so covenanters are at home working with people of different, um, different strains of Christianity, whether they're Baptist or Mennonite or Nazarene or Church of Christ, that you all have a home, that we all have a place in the covenant church. Also, too, that how deep the covenant goes in terms of our reliance on Scripture, on the Word of God, that this is the only perfect rule for faith, life, and conduct. It's actually so important to us that that's our first affirmation, is that the Word of God is central to who we are. Scripture is central for us. Then we also talk, too, about this necessity for new birth, that following or being a Christian isn't just about a list of beliefs that we check off, but actually about a relationship, being born again, having a new life in Jesus Christ. Then we talk some about the whole mission of God, is that uh, mission is broad. We talked a little bit about it even this morning, but mission is as broad as everything from telling your friend about Jesus and what he's done in your own life to having a garden where we bring food to uh, Uh, food centers in our community or places where people can just come and pick. That mission is broad. It includes not only evangelism, but also social justice, caring for justice for our neighbors and for our community. Then we talk some about the church as a fellowship of believers, that the church isn't just a building. The church isn't just an event that we come to on Sunday morning, that you, you are the church. We are the church. And then last week, we talked some about this conscious dependence we have on the Holy Spirit. We named this fact that we depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us through life. Well, this morning, we come to the last affirmation, uh, which is uh, we affirm the reality of freedom in Christ. Now, some of you might be thinking like, well, what does that mean exactly? What do we mean by freedom in Christ? And how does that work out in a church? And to help us with that, we have another uh, video again from uh, North Park Seminary. Rick, if you could play that. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I will not be autonomous or independent. Rather, I will find my freedom in right relationship, relationship with God and with others. This freedom will liberate me from the effects of sin and cause me to seek the same freedom for those around me. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. One. One body free to love like he did, by seeking unity and tension. Not by claiming our freedom, but by giving it, like a gift, in the same way it was given to me. The reality of freedom in Christ is 
an affirmation that's absolutely central to the covenant's self-understanding and identity. And it's always been last, and not because it's least important, but because it presupposes all the others. The reality of freedom in Christ isn't just this idea that we can do whatever we want, that I can think whatever I want to think, and that I can be an autonomous individual. Freedom means that we are free from our sin. We are united in Christ, and so we are free from sin, and we are free to live that out in the context of serving our neighbor. Freedom is grounded in a living relationship as one who has been redeemed and forgiven by the grace of God. We understand it in the context of how we live our life together, our faith in common. And that can happen because of the work that Christ did on the cross. Our predecessor, David Nival, talked about freedom in Christ and theological diversity as a communal responsibility. And so it's our duty as Christians to talk about the ways in which we differ theologically. We are to do it in courage, we are to do it in love, and we are to do it in devotion to Scripture. Uh, freedom is something that is experienced together and discerned together and uh, puts constraints at times on one's personal freedom for the higher freedom of the gospel or the freedom of the church to be the church in our common life. Freedom isn't the idea that we can do whatever we want or think whatever we want. It's grounded in the other affirmations. It's grounded in the centrality of scripture. It's grounded in the understanding of freedom that we see in Galatians 5. It's grounded in, in John 8 where Jesus says the truth will make you free which is a reference not just to how we live, but to how we think theologically in a deep and reflective manner. In the, the treatise on Christian freedom, Martin Luther is concerned with how we understand freedom in the context of a genuine living faith. Using 1 Corinthians 9 and Romans 13, he, he, he puts forth two propositions. One is that the Christian is the perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And the other is that the Christian is the perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Now he's doing this in the context of being free from sin. The first proposition points to the fact that we're free from sin in Christ, and the second leads to the, the idea that we are free for loving our neighbor. And the pietists pick this up in their understanding of faith active in love, this idea that the Christian life is about convergences. It's not just doctrine, it's not just about acts of mercy, but how those go together. And we are free to love our neighbor because we are free in Christ. Our freedom is such that we will not prescribe on the doctrine of the atonement or any number of other doctrines what one must believe as a covenanter. We honor that freedom to disagree. And that's why it's not always easy. There's an old saying in the church. It probably goes back to the time of St. Augustine in the early church. Uh, in essential matters, unity. In non-essential matters, freedom. In all things, love. Well, someone's non-essential is someone else's essential. And that's why we need to be speaking to each other and doing our biblical reading together for that freedom to be preserved. The reality of freedom in Christ for us that has the theological dimension is specifically rooted uh, in our historical beginnings where 
we decided uh, that only the scriptures would guide our life. Theologically, freedom is unity on the level of faith and diversity on the level of theological expression. Now, obviously, this is an easy thing when we're all agreeing theologically and, and getting along. And it's easy to affirm that which we hold in common. Our faith is something that we have in common. It's when we disagree that it becomes difficult. And I think if we understand that freedom in Christ is is to be understood as something that we offer to one another. It's a gift in a sense. That changes radically how we live that out. It's not something that we claim as our own. It's something we offer. And so freedom really manifests itself in right relationship to God and to our neighbor. The issue of baptism has, has split churches for, for the last 500 years. In my case, I, I just happened to grow up in a, in a place where I was not baptized as a child. I was dedicated, as many covenanters are. But uh, there was not the, the kind of follow-up that made baptism important. So I became a member of the church after confirmation without being baptized. And as time went by, this becomes an issue because Christ commands that we be baptized. Well, I was baptized together uh, with my infant son and that was a very meaningful experience and shows how the covenant honors both. Our denomination has lived well with, with affirming both infant and believer's baptism. And I think the exciting thing that the reality of freedom in Christ offers is not just that we have those practices that we affirm, but we have conversation about why we practice infant baptism and why we practice adult baptism. And to put those two in conversation with one another is, is a key part of the theological dimension and the exciting piece of freedom in Christ. I think we've learned that affirming something like the reality of freedom in Christ is difficult and it requires a lot of maturity. But the fact that we've remained together, that we've been a denomination, a body, for over 125 years says a lot about how we have been able to live in this tension between unity and diversity. Authentic freedom manifests itself in a right relationship to God and neighbor. And this is why it's so important to understand the reality of freedom in Christ in the context of the other affirmation. Our denomination is unique in this <coughs> affirmation in that it emphasizes faith and doctrine and what we believe along with how we live and whom we serve. I think we experience freedom in the church as uh, central to the health of a local congregation, the nature of our life together in Christ, that it overcomes the, the loneliness and the rootlessness that so many people feel. And so the, the freedom that liberates one uh, in uh, forgiveness and new life in Christ is carried over into daily Christian living and what it means for faith to be active in love and uh, in community and uh, in concern for our neighbor. The word becomes living within this reality because we're continually applying it to the life of faith in a changing world. We can't go to scripture and find our exact circumstance and say this is what God is telling us. But we can use 
scripture to inform how we live out our faith. And freedom in Christ allows us to do that in a way that affirms the Word of God as living and vital. It's not just a textbook, but it's God revealing to God's people the life that He has for them, the life He has created for them, the life that He wants them to live into. So as I've been uh, preparing this week, been reading some in Romans, and Romans chapters uh, 14 and 15. And so I wanted to ask your, if it's okay with you, if you look in your bulletin here, it's just actually Romans 15. Would it be all right if I read chapter 14 as well? Is that okay? It's, it's trust me, I timed it. It's only three minutes, okay? So, so I just, uh, just want to prepare you for that. But I think it's important to get the whole context here. So just to point out on these on our bulletins, there's just the last half of it. But listen, this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. And Paul's writing to a church where there were Jewish and Gentile believers, and he's trying to encourage them uh, through a long theological discourse to stick together. And so at verse 14 it says, except, though, except those whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat everything, but another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted that person. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master they stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some consider one day more sacred than another. Others consider every day alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in their own mind. Those who regard one day as special do so to the Lord. Those who eat meat do so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and those who abstain do so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For we do not live to ourselves alone, and we do not die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat your brother or sister with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then we will all give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but if anyone regard, regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If, you both, if your brother and sister are distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother or sister for whom, God died, or for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves by what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the, fallings, with the failings of the weak, 
and not to please ourselves, we should all please our, our neighbors for their good, to build them up, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives abundance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Let us pray that we'd hear the word of God this morning. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we pray for your help as we hear your word, as we explore the reality of our freedom in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as I've been studying and listening to our freedom in Christ, or the reality of our freedom in Christ, a few things I realize. One is that freedom in Christ is extremely important for us Uh, as we grow as individuals in our faith in Jesus, but also it's extremely important for the health of our church family. But before we get into that, a couple of things I wanted to mention was, first, that I'm I'm grateful for the ways that the covenant has worded this phrase. It said, we affirm the reality of our freedom in Christ. And I read that, and I hear in that, that this isn't a, this isn't a a theological conviction that we've derived, but actually something that we have observed. It's a reality that we have freedom in Christ. And just as we read in Romans here, Paul is talking to two different groups and saying, the reality is you have freedom. For those of you who feel concerned about what you eat or what day you celebrate, that's fine. Do those things to the Lord. For those of you who are not concerned about those things, that's okay. Do those things to the Lord, but stay together. So I I hear him talking about this reality of freedom in Christ. But I also, within that, as I've been reflecting on this, I've written a few papers for the covenant uh, through my education, um, through my uh, covenant orientation on the reality of freedom in Christ. And one of the things that I realize is that when we affirm freedom in Christ, we hold unity as a theological conviction equal to other convictions, whether that's baptism or women in ministry or atonement theory. Then when we say we have freedom in Christ, we are saying that unity is just as important as these other things. I find that when churches split over issues, over theological issues, I find what ultimately happens is they put this issue above unity. And it's true, there are some things that that really do separate Christians. I mean, for one example, I mean, in my opinion, um, if you were to say Jesus was a great teacher but not really the Son of God, I would say that's interesting, let's talk some more about that, but, but I would say we're talking about different things. We're not both talking about Christianity anymore. So there are some things that do really separate us. But there are lots of other things that don't. And when we hold unity as a high esteem, then we're able to continue talking about these things that maybe some of us differ on, that aren't essential to our faith. So I hear this putting unity uh, as, as a high value. But also, too, I realized, too, and, and one of the professors, he mentioned it a little bit, was that freedom in Christ is always last um, not because it's the least important, but he said because it presupposes the others. And I've heard other covenanters talk about the way that, that the centrality of the word of God and freedom in Christ are the bookends to everything else. That these two are so important, they put the, the scripture first 
and reality uh, in Christ or the freedom in Christ as the, as the bookend to it. So let's get into how this helps us grow as a follower of Jesus, personally, individually. The first thing I realize is that when we have freedom in Christ, we have a safe place to talk and to ask our questions. When we have a place or a community that honors freedom in Christ, we can ask questions and say, I don't understand this. Or I've been reading, and this is what I've come to understand. What do you think? And rather than someone saying, you're a heretic, I'm going to report you to the pastor, and we'll make sure that you never worship here again, you're able to have a conversation. Because it's troubling. I had a friend of mine who, at, at their church, they had a, a, a really big question and, and asked it to some of the elders. And they basically said, um, well, what you're thinking is wrong. Just believe this. When asked why, they said, because this is what the church has always believed, so just get in line. You know, and that's, I understand, like, and sometimes that's a shorthand answer. Sometimes we, we don't want to take the time to go, especially big prickly issues like the one that my friend was raising. They can be complicated, and sometimes it just feels easier, and we sometimes, honestly, we just get lazy, and we say, this is just what the church believes, just believe it. But I think about my friend and the way that that undermined uh, their growth. The, the question went unanswered, so even if that person did just go along and believe, if someone were to ever challenge them or ask them, why do you believe it, they would have no answer. Just other than, well, this is what I was told to believe. Well, you can imagine how well that goes over in our society nowadays. So when there's freedom in Christ, we have the opportunity to ask questions and to have real answers and real discussion about it. We have safe discussion about it. The other thing I realized about my friend <clears throat> is that not only didn't answer his question, but I think it, and in, in, I'm not sure how many times that person is going to ask in their church before they just start to think to themselves, I guess I just don't ask questions here. I just go along to get along. And that's like, that's, that's like cancer in a church. When you have a church that has a, has a, a subtle message that you just go along to get along, all sorts of things start to go wrong underneath and then things start to crop up. And So reality of freedom in Christ helps us grow as an individual, help us grow as, as followers of Jesus because we can ask questions in a safe way and we can learn like, oh, here's why they believe this. That makes a lot of sense. I need to change the what I think. I had a conversation actually just this week with Dave Story. He and I were talking and I would love to tell you how I corrected him, but actually he corrected me. And so when we have freedom in Christ, when we have freedom in Christ, we can be corrected. We were talking about um, uh, Judaism and Israel, and I kept using this frame, true Israel. And Dave said, I have issue with that. Like, I don't quite agree with you. And I said, oh, well, it's in Scripture. And so I, after our conversation, I went and with my uh, uh, Bible software, I looked up true Israel. It's, there's no true Israel, like that phrase in Scripture. And I realized like what I was talking about was a remnant or a faithful remnant. And so by him challenging me, it helped me say, like, you know, I was using incorrect terms, which can lead people or the conversation in the wrong direction. So I was corrected uh, because we have this freedom in Christ. We were sitting in my office, and we weren't agreeing, but we were graciously disagreeing and trying to help one another see the way we saw things. So uh, when we have freedom in Christ, we're able to grow because we hear our brothers and sisters say, you know, uh, Jason, I, I don't think you quite have it there, and here's what I think. And then we have a conversation based on Scripture. We're not shouting each other down. 
We're not quoting our favorite uh, YouTube pastor. We're talking about Scripture. We look at the Word of God and we study the Word of God together. And there are, there are legitimately some places where people come up on different sides. And then we have to ask, you know, is this a central thing? Is this a, a primary issue? Or is this something that we can agree to disagree on and continue to have a free dialogue about it or a, a Christ-honoring dialogue about it? That we ultimately, our goal, hopefully, is to grow in the truth. So it helps us, one, that we have a safe place when we have freedom in Christ where we can ask questions. It helps us, it corrects us. If we get something wrong, we can have a um, trustworthy, or we trust people enough to have a conversation and, and to listen when they correct us. But also, too, it helps us grow in maturity. And this is not actually uh, something I realized. This is actually something I learned. Uh, Jesse, uh, we were talking about it this week, um, and he said, you know, Jason, I just heard this sermon from one of my friends, Greg Mitchell. For those of you who went to the leadership or the wedding or the marriage seminar um, out at the junction about a month ago, that Greg Mitchell, uh, he passed her from Vancouver, and he just said, you need to listen to this sermon. I won't quote the whole thing for you. <laughs> I couldn't. But anyways, um, he was saying, you know, that um, the church that you are part of right now is perfectly equipped. God has perfectly equipped it to help you grow as a follower of Jesus. See, oftentimes we think, oh, if only I, my church was a little bit more this or a little less that, or if I could just find a church that did these things, then I could really grow in Jesus. Then I could really grow as a follower. And he's saying, he was saying, you know what? The church you're a part of now is perfectly designed to help you grow as a follower, follower of Jesus. And some of us might think, well, are you kidding me? Do you know how messed up our church is? And he would say, that's precisely the point. That's precisely the point. There's no such thing as a perfect church unless you're the only person in it. He said a perfect church is a place that will help you grow because we challenge one another. We speak the truth always in love, but we speak the truth with each other. And sometimes there are people, and he was talking about it more in terms of, of uh, personalities, I think. You know, you in a church family, it's like a real family where there are certain people that the only reason why you talk to them is because you're related to them, right? He's saying that even in, in a church that that helps us grow. That helps us grow in maturity. I can speak from my own experience. You know, I don't grow a lot when someone says to me, I agree with everything exactly what you said. I think you're doing it great. Awesome. I mean, it's encouraging. I love it. (laughs) But I don't grow a lot. But when I've had conversations, I mean, I've had a few conversations in the last few months. People ask me questions. Like um, uh, one person was asking me about the deity of Jesus. You know, is Jesus really God? You know, Scripture says there's only one God. How is, this, how is Jesus God? And, you know, I've studied that, and I've, and I've kind of have, I mean, I've gone to seminary and gone to classes on it, and I, all I can say was, because this is what the church has always believed, I had to go back and dig into Scripture, and like, well, why do I believe that? I, I totally do. But I wanted to have more than just, uh, I wanted to have more of an answer from them than this is just what you're supposed to believe. So the church helps us grow. But also helps us grow when we don't actually end up agreeing. You know, we may think like, oh, that's the worst possible situation is when we don't actually agree, when at the end of our long conversation, they don't see it my way, right? But actually we grow even when we still see it differently. It matures us as a person. It takes maturity to endure differences. And only in immaturity do we not endure differences. And I'm talking about, and I want to be clear, I'm talking about secondary differences here. 
uh, in terms of things that aren't maybe necessarily like um, they're important to uh, what we believe as Christians, but maybe not important to, say, for example, salvation. And I, I hopefully that's clear. I, don't, I could see it maybe not be. But I believe that there are some things that are, that are central. And like I said earlier, if we are saying different things, for example, about who God is or who Jesus is or who the Holy Spirit is, then I would say, yes, we can still have a gracious conversation, a Christ-honoring conversation, but we're not, talking, we're not both talking about Christianity at that point. But there are lots of other things. And we've numbered a few of those. I mean, in the, 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 media, the movie here, the video, they were talking about, about baptism, that as a covenant church, there's not many people who hold this position that we affirm both believer and uh, infant baptism. There's just not many Christians who, most Christians are one or the other. But as a covenant church, we believe that, that you can be baptized as, a, as an infant and you can be baptized as a believer and we see how both live faithful lives. So we have this reality of freedom in Christ and it helps us to, as we grow in maturity, that we can have these differences and keep talking about them and we grow. So these are some of the ways that it helps us. One is that we can ask questions. One, we have a safe place to ask questions. One, we have uh, places where we get corrected or someone says, you know, I hear what you're saying, but we need to look at this differently or you need to see what I'm saying. And two, it uh, helps us mature, especially when we disagree. So, uh, freedom in Christ helps us grow as individuals, but it also helps us stay healthy as a church. You may be saying, like, really? How does that help? I think a church is healthy or healthiest when it has freedom in Christ, when we don't condemn each other on disputable matters, as Paul talked about in Romans 14.1. The church is healthiest when we don't condemn each other on disputable matters. I, I, I don't know if any of you have been a part of a church like this. I don't think I really have. Maybe one church that I've been a part of in my life where they had, they called form a subscription, they had numerous uh, uh, confessions, statements, long book-like form confession statements, and you had to sign, say that, you know, especially if you want to be a, a minister in that denomination, you had to sign and say, yes, I agree to all of this, and if I don't, then you don't fit. But there are some churches, right? I mean, if, if we don't have freedom in Christ, I'm not sure what our options are other than believe or leave or don't ask, don't tell. And what I mean by that is there are some churches, and maybe some of you have been a part of one, maybe some of you have come from one or, or have heard of them, where we all believe exactly the same thing, and if you don't believe it, then you don't belong. And there, we have brothers and sisters that have uh, church uh, families that are like that. And I think there's a, there's a lot of unhealth in that. That we are healthier when we have theological differences and we talk about them in a Christ-honoring way. But there's also, we talked a little bit about this too, is where we have some churches where they have a particular box. These are all the things that we believe and you all have to, we all have to believe this, but they have a don't ask, don't tell policy. You know, um, officially, yes, I say I believe all that, but really, underneath it, are you kidding me? And they just don't ask. They don't talk about it. They don't, they don't challenge each other. They just assume everyone thinks the same. That's not healthy either. 
So the reality of freedom in Christ helps us grow. It helps us maintain and to be healthier as a church as well because this is a place, I believe this is a place, should be a place, where people can come from all different sorts of uh, ideas and views of the world and they can come here and they can hear about Jesus. They can come here who Jesus is. And sure, there might be some things that are really different and I would say even, even unbiblical in what they think or the way they live, but that we are gracious and we have freedom in Christ that we are working towards them. And maybe someday they say, you know what, I see what this church believes and I just, I just can't believe it and they leave. And that, I understand that happens. But that as a follower, that as a church, that we are gracious. That we constantly encourage people towards the truth. And that at times, even when we as followers of Jesus, when we have disagreements, that we let, that we listen to each other. You know, that's one of the things that I love about this church family. As I look out at you, I see all of these different denominational traditions that are all gathered together in one room. I mean, I know that in this, in this room right now, there are people who grew up Catholic. There are people who grew up Church of Christ. There are people who grew up Covenant. There are people who grew up with no religious uh, experience at all. And we're all gathered together here. Was that my cue? <laughs> no. Stop. <clears throat> we come from numerous backgrounds and we are gathered together here, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither Baptist nor Mennonite nor Catholic nor, nor uh, united. We are all one under Christ Jesus because of our faith in him. I'm grateful for this church. And there are people who come here. And one of the things that I constantly hear people say is how grateful they are for the family community of this church. That they come and they feel welcomed. That they come and maybe they've got jeans and a camel hunting hat on. And they still feel like they can worship Jesus here. Or they come and they've got a suit and tie and they realize that most everyone else doesn't. And that they still feel like they can worship here. This is reality of freedom at Christ at work in our community. And it makes us healthier as a church. It makes us more effective in mission as well. No, I'm not saying that we, like that every idea is equally valid. I tried to make that clear throughout, that there are some things that are central. But there are other things that faithful followers of Jesus interpret scripture differently than us. And so we listen. And we talk about it in Christ-honoring ways, seeking the truth together. So as we follow Jesus, I am grateful for this reality of freedom in Christ. One, because it helps us grow as individuals. We have a place where we can come and we can trust each other and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Does that sound crazy to you? And someone can honestly say, yes, I think it does. And we can have a good conversation. Or that we are corrected. Or that we also grow when we talk. We have those, we've been talking with someone about this issue for five, ten years and we still disagree and yet we still love one another. We still stick together. That helps us mature. And lastly, as a church, that we are healthiest when we have freedom in Christ, where people can say, you know what, so-and-so, we don't agree on this, but I still know that they love Jesus. And so they're still my brother or my sister. These things help us grow in Christ.